spirit and in truth. It says that his, worship, uh, his worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. Why the spirit? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is helping you with every aspect of life. So praise the Lord for that. So uh, let's all stand and worship. Uh, we are going to do a bilingual tune. So yes, you're in the right service. We're going to start out in Spanish. Uh, but uh, this song is called Te Amo. Nadie me dio este grande amor Te encontré, te encontré, me conquistaste Quiero vivir, quiero vivir solo para ti Voy a lavar, voy a entazar, pues tu gozo me das Voy a decir y gritar que tú eres real Te amo, te amo, te exalto Ahora me alegro por estar contigo Te amo, te adoro Nunca me cansaré de darte gracias Let's sing that again Te amo, te exalto Ahora me alegro por estar contigo Te amo, te adoro Nunca me cansaré de darte gracias Hey, praise the Lord Now in English, here we go Yes, I was lost I was lost, but then you found me Well, I was so blind I was so blind, but now I can see My sin was great My sin was great, but your blood saved me I was so afraid I was so afraid Your scars brought me peace Lord, you saved my life, you rescued my mind, Jesus, you are my light, oh, na 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 I thank you, my Lord, my God, with all my life, my life. We love you, we love you, and we exalt you. Behold the Lamb of God who came to save us. We love you, and we adore you. Let's sing that again. Forever we will praise the name of Jesus. We love you. We love you. And we exalt you. Behold the Lamb of God who came to save us. We love you. And we adore you. 
forever we will praise the name of Jesus. Te amo, te amo, te exalto. Ahora me alegro por estar contigo. Te amo, te adoro. Nunca me cansaré de darte gracias. Hey! Good morning, good morning, test, yay! Well, welcome this morning. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's your first time in a long time, welcome back. Um, good to have you here this morning worshiping in this beautiful, beautiful place that God has given us to worship. Um, so thankful. We had our first worship night last Sunday night down in the tent. Um, boy, that was just a time of blessing. Just thankful for what God has given us as a church, what God has provided for us, and the direction God has put before us to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a purpose. What a life purpose that we have in Christ to share the hope that God has provided through His Son with people who need it desperately. Well, this morning, um, if it is your first time, we have... Uh, on the chairs around uh, contact cards. It's a great way for us to get to know you. If you have prayer requests, that's the, the main thing we love to get on those is prayer requests to pray for, um, and we do pray. This is a church that prays and a church that's trying to pray even harder. And so anything that we have that we can lift up to the Lord in prayer, we love that. And so please fill those out. Um, and you can place that in, there's a, an offering box on the way out, you can put those in. Um, so glad you're here. We have coming up December 4th, um, an outreach on our land, similar to what we did a year ago uh, when the land was just barely starting to get cleared and we, people didn't even know there was something you could do over there. But a Christmas campfire outreach, something we did originally as something that fit what we had and something that fit where people were at with... COVID and not wanting to be close together. But then we discovered, hey, this is actually an effective thing. Go make a bunch of campfires and uh, have people come to do s'mores. And, and around a campfire, people like to hang out. People like to talk. There is opportunity for ministry as people are just there and there are others around the campfire with them ready to share the hope of Jesus Christ and encourage and minister. Um, so we want to do that again. We're doing that. Uh, that's, the, that's the first Saturday of December. Um, so you can help out. If you have a fire pit, a metal fire pit, um, let us know. We'd, we need as many, we'll have as many fire pits as, or as many fires as we have pits and people to go with them. We need a person at each fire pit. So if you're that person who can stir the coals and make it just right for s'mores, we need your help too. We need one person at every fire pit at least to tend the fire. Um, and you also need to be willing to smile and talk because an important part of this ministry is relationship with the people that are coming by. Um, there's also going to be other opportunities. We're going to have a prayer booth. We're going to have in the tent. We're going to use that as a space to give away resource boxes that will have 
everything from wrapping paper to gingerbread kit uh, to hot chocolate and other things in a box that we can give away to families. So if you have someone you know in your circle that's like, they're going to, they could use any help this Christmas, say, hey, you want to go over there for this event and they're going to be giving away something that, that uh, you can take home. So um, I'm excited about it. We need everybody's help to really uh, do well with it. So let us know if you're available to help and if you have any resource with that. Um, children. Uh, I don't know who. Raul back here is going to be uh, leading kids this morning. Children, you can head out at this point with Raul. And then this morning we have some special guests and I would like... John, to introduce our special guest this morning. Absolutely. So it is my great pleasure uh, to introduce Kalea Child Care Villages uh, under the direction of my really good friend, uh, Deborah, Deborah Brown Magaya. So I'm still learning the new. She just got married just recently. So uh, praise the Lord. And, uh, so, and, and her friends today, they're going to come and uh, just uh, share with you um, about the ministry. So uh, for Kalea, um, we as a church have been supporting them. It's been one of, I mean, we're not even supposedly uh, a full-blown church until like January when we're no longer a church plant considered that way. Uh, but uh, it's so cool that the Lord has put on our hearts to start supporting other ministries even during that planting phase uh, that we uh, invest in. And so, uh, Deborah, could you, uh, could you and Amy and Pam uh, please come up and uh, share more with us? Can you hear me? They put the person up first who's the most terrified to speak in front of everybody. So, but I want to say you guys seem like nice people. We're all family, right? My name's Amy. Um, I am the treasurer of Playa. I've been with Playa five, six years, four years, I don't know. Whatever, it seems like it was yesterday. It's just flown by. And um, that's all I was supposed to do, and I was supposed to pass it on. But I did want to tell you something. Um, Every, from time to time, I have a little bit of a crisis of my faith, right? And I start to question, and it's crazy. Every single time that has happened, I get a text or a call or an email from Deborah telling me, we just saved a child. We just saved an orphan. One of our children just graduated from college and had the scores um, to, to go on to a special school or get some training or get a job. We saved a baby, I mean, every single time without fail. So, wonderful. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's me, and now that I'm shaking and about to pass out, I'm going to pass it on to Pam, so thank you. The short one. <laughs> Good morning, church. My name is Pam, and as you can tell, I'm not a native Texan. I bring you greetings from New England. God broke my heart for orphans back in 2009, when I joined Deborah to begin the work of Kulea Child Care Villages. And I'm the least likely person in the world to ever do foreign missions, let alone Africa. Um, and yet, in God's economy, he called me, and that's where I serve. Fast forward to a few years ago, and I went to, on a mission trip with Kulea to Kenya, of which John Partain, it was his first mission trip. And a special friendship was born, and 
the relationship with Hope Church and Kulea was planted on that mission trip. And so I'm just here this morning to thank you, church, for supporting us. And I want you to know, you have a prayer warrior in New England praying for you. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you, Pam and Amy. And thank you, Hope Church. It's great to be back with you. We were just going to come and worship. And John says, oh, no, you need to speak. I'm like, well, I always like to speak about the work and what God's doing. We are about bringing God's love and hope to orphans and the families that are taking care of them. We don't have an orphanage. We never have. We never will. We keep children in families. We believe they should be raised up within families. And there's usually a, an aunt or a grandmother who can help with that as long as we help with maybe the financial end for school. But we started a new project in October that we spent from January till October to prepare for. And it, you probably are seeing some of the babies coming through, but this is called Maisha Matters. And it, it's a center where, okay, well, let me back up. In Tanzania, if a mom dies during childbirth, most of the families have no money for baby formula. So the baby goes straight to an orphanage, from the hospital to the orphanage. And yet there's family members grieving over the loss of the mother and grieving over also losing the baby. So we come in right there. We come to the hospital when they call. We explain our program. We take that little baby in that grandmother's arms or aunt's mom, aunt's arms, and we provide weekly weigh-in checks for their health formula, free formula for the year. Um, we train them in preventative health, and then we train the caregiver in business, a small business, and we invest in the business setup. So at the end of the first year, the baby's healthy in its own family, and there's a business setup tied to the future of that baby. So we're really excited about this. We invite you to pray for this. We, at the week we opened, we received our first baby, and the father named him Blessing, which is amazing because in Africa, in the past history, it would be a curse on the household if the mom dies in childbirth, and even the baby is the curse, and often they would kill the baby. This is years ago, not today, so, but still is sort of in the mindset, so to name this little baby Blessing was a huge thing for us. And we just ask you to continue to pray for us. If you want to support that program, see me afterwards. I'll explain a little bit about how that works. We also are still sending orphans to school and supporting you know, older children as well. So thanks for your prayers. Oh, uh, Elizabeth's reminding me, we made some new brochures, some updated information, and they're on the table if you want one. Thank you. Have Well, I'm just, uh, I'm so overwhelmed uh, to see friends that uh, just have such a heart uh, for uh, God's special ones. Um, you know, in the book of James, it talks about how a religion that is pure and undefiled is to visit widows and orphans in their need and to, and to not be contaminated by the world. Amen. And so um, I just pray that uh, today, that during this service even, that you pray about what is the Lord asking you to do? What is the Lord asking you to do? And uh, if, if you want to give a, 
a, a gift through Kalea, that's fine. If, if uh, you've forgotten, maybe the Lord's calling you to do it even uh, next Sunday and stuff. Just if it's for them, write in the memo, Kalea. But we can, uh, it's easier if it's payment directly to Kalea uh, Ministries. Uh, but it's uh, kaleavillages.org. Okay. Kaleavillages.org. Uh, but they have been taking care of widows, widows and orphans for a while, and now with this new um, directive, this is amazing uh, how the Lord has, has called y'all to step in and give uh, hope uh, to where there's no hope. And that can only come through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, stand as we continue to sing. And this song is about hope when there is no hope. It's called Graves into Gardens, and it's based on Isaiah 61. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And then you came along and put me back together. And now every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Let's sing that again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. So I'm not afraid. Show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And there's not a place where your mercy and grace won't find me again oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you oh there's nothing than you, Lord, there's nothing better than you, oh, there's nothing 
opinions better than you. Declare it this morning. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Sing it out to the Lord this morning. Oh, there's nothing. Better than you, yeah, there's nothing better than sing it out. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Lord Jesus, there is nothing better than you because there is no other who can take a broken life, who can take the ashes of a life just gripped by sin, a life that's dead spiritually, and raise it to life and turn it into a beautiful garden. There is no other name than your name, Jesus, that can accomplish that. And so there is nothing better than you. God, I thank you for the life we have in you. Thank you for your gospel. God, thank you for the life purpose that we have in you life abundant. I pray that you have your hand on the rest of this morning. Thank you already for this body worshiping you together. I pray that as we open your word, it would continue to be worship of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are in Matthew chapter 11 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, that's okay. We've got Bibles for you. Um, there's Bibles back here on the table. Um, and if you don't have a Bible at all, please take it home with you. So if you need a Bible, you raise your hand. My beautiful wife back there will get you a Bible. Um, Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we've already gone through chapter 10. Uh, was Jesus speaking specifically to his 12 disciples, sending them out? on a mission trip there within Israel, 
and preparing them for what they would face ahead. And then they got sent out in the beginning of chapter 11. We saw uh, John the Baptist's disciples approach Jesus uh, with questions from John who was in prison saying, this doesn't seem right what we see that's going on. It's a, we're expecting something different. Are you the one or should we look for someone else? And we saw Jesus' answer to their question. And now Jesus' attention as, as those disciples of John the Baptist are leaving, he's about to address the crowds that are there. So we pick up in Matthew chapter 11 in verse 7. As they went away, John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But what, to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. God, help us to understand your word this morning. The Holy Spirit, we're dependent on you not only to understand, but to have it change our lives. So help us to be open to your word as you speak into us. In Jesus' name, amen. So he starts out in verse 7, as John's disciples are going away. He's going to talk about John the Baptist. He says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? You crowds. And understand there's a context here. Remember at the end of this, what did they finally make of John? Oh, he's, he's some crazy guy in the desert who has a demon, right? They kind of dismissed him. What did you go out to see when you went out to see John the Baptist. Yes, they went out to see a prophet, and it, and it was a major stir, I'm sure, within, uh, within Israel because there hadn't been a prophet in a long time, hundreds of years. And so could this be a prophet? It hit the news lines, right? Social media was like, well, that's what it would be in our time, right? This actually makes me think of just events in our time. What did you go out and see? For us, it wouldn't be actually going out and seeing. It would be, what did you turn on the news to see? What did you go on Twitter to see? What did you go on Facebook to see? What did you go on Instagram to see? What did you go online to see that was capturing everybody's interest, right? 
What did you go to see? What were you looking for? What are we looking for when we hear things come on? What is it we're actually trying to gain knowledge on? Maybe similar to what they were doing, which seems not more than just to see what the stir is about, to be maybe entertained by it. They're interested in it. What are we looking for? What are you looking for? Well, Jesus, this whole section is somewhat of a reprimand to the crowds in what they're looking for and what they're not seeing. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? I'm sure there was reeds out there. It's like, just go out in the wilderness to see what's out in the wilderness? No, obviously not. That's not what they went out. But it seems like that's how they finally treated John. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Obviously not. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Perhaps a jab at Herod, who's holding John the Baptist. What'd you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. Jesus says so much more than a prophet, right? I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. This is a prophet who is prophesied about. This is the prophet who would usher in the Lord, Yahweh. This is being quoted from Malachi. This is the one that they have actually been waiting for. They're asking, are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. He wasn't lying, but he is the Elijah that was spoken of, and Jesus speaks to that. It says in verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Why would he say that? No one greater. Uh, it's just a figure of speech, born among women, human. There, there's no human born greater than John the Baptist. Why would he say that? Well, he explains it there. And look in verse 13, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, that's everything before John the Baptist, prophets, the law, everything. If I look at the Old Testament scriptures, go to the back of this book, all of that prophesied, looking forward to what? Jesus Christ, right? Pointing forward. But none of them could stand and point at Jesus Christ and say, he's the one. Who, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And so because of his immediate testimony, the one to go right before the Lord, Yahweh, he was the one that was the greatest because he had the greatest testimony of Christ. But then what does Jesus say? Um, verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least and the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why? Same reason. Even more than John the Baptist, we have the Spirit of Christ within us. We can say, look, Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. We are even a greater testimony of Christ than John the Baptist was. So the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater 
than John the Baptist. And they didn't get it. They were completely missing. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? What was right in front of you? The greatest prophet that ever was in the kingdom of heaven coming, uh, among which the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than this prophet, and you're missing all of it. Here's the first point for us as we are so enthralled with whatever's going on around us. Don't miss what God is doing. They, they weren't looking for what God was doing. They were enthralled that there was a prophet, not because he was a prophet, but because there hadn't been a prophet. It was a piece of news. When you go online, are you going there to see what God is doing? When you see the news, are you looking to see what is God at work doing? Or maybe within your own family, something's happening. Are you only paying attention to what's there immediate and on the surface, or are you trying to look at what God is doing? They completely missed it, the crowds. I don't want to be among the crowds completely missing what God is up to. When I was a kid, I was fascinated by stereograms. You know those pictures that just looks like a piece of art, but then if you look through it a certain way, suddenly a 3D image pops and you can suddenly see something completely different? Fascinated with that. How does that work? And so I spent all this time as a kid, all of you are trying to see, can you see it, right? <laughs> I spent all this time as a kid, I think I was in high school, trying to figure out how does that work? And if you haven't figured it out about me yet, I was a computer nerd when I was a kid. So I was trying to write a program to generate stereograms. And after hours and hours and hours of completely going bug-eyed, trying to, if you think it's hard, try it with something that you're experimenting with to see if it worked or not. Is it there? Can I see it? Um, so I, I finally got it. I generated a random pattern stereogram. Praise the Lord. Well, I made some for us this morning. Here you go. If, you, if you're just looking at it, it looks like this kind of distorted picture of crowds with something in the background. Not sure. Maybe it's a piece of art. What's going on there? In order to see what's there, you have to look past it, don't you? Some of you might be able to. I've gotten good at it because I spent hours and hours and hours of it, right? You have to look past it. You can't focus on what's there on the surface. Go to the next picture. That's the same picture. You know, we think 2020 is so different than 2019. We think 2019 was so different than 2018. We think 2021, everything's so different. We went from one, one uh, political group to another political group. We went from one condition to another condition. Everything has changed. How different is it really than the time when Jesus, the time that Jesus was ushering in? If all we're seeing is what's on the surface, then we're going to think, oh, my life is undone. Things are changing. Is God even working anymore? My family conditions just changed. Everything was just right, and then something happened and turned it all upside down. 
Or am I looking past what's on the surface to the picture that's behind it? All right, I'll let you guys in on what's behind that. What's God doing behind the scenes? Go to the next slide. There's the 3D picture that was back there. Jesus Christ crucified and risen. Jesus' purpose, God's purpose to save the world. The only reason things continue and continue is because He is patient to allow more into His kingdom. There is a purpose of God that has never changed this year, past year, the year before that. Are we looking for what God is doing? Are we too caught up just like the crowds, fascinated with one thing and ready to move on to the next, never pausing to see, is there a purpose of God at work? Verse 12 is an interesting one, a difficult one for some folks. Not that I've got it all figured out. Verse 12, from the days, so he's just said, John the Baptist is the greatest, and now the least in, in the kingdom of heaven is the greatest. And now he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. What is he talking about? Well, what's the time period? From the days of John the Baptist until now, what are those days? That's John the Baptist led into the days of Jesus Christ. That's his ministry he's talking about. There was a transition from John the Baptist leading the way into Jesus then beginning his ministry. Now, the whole phrase that's in yellow, has suffered violence, um, that's just one word in Greek. And if you allow me to get a little technical for a moment, in Greek, it's a highly inflected language, more like Spanish, where one verb can have a whole bunch of different meanings depending on how you conjugate it, right? Well, sometimes in Greek, you run into a case where two different conjugations of the verb have the exact same spelling. How do you know which one it is? Well, you just look at the context to figure out, okay, what, what is this? In this case, this verb could either be in a passive sense or a middle voice, a passive voice or a middle voice. And there's a lot of discussion on which it should be. Um, in this case, they've chosen the passive voice, has suffered violence. And, and there's good reason. As you're looking at context, it seems to fit with what comes next, and the violent take it by force. Um, the alternative, if you do in the middle voice, go to the next slide. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. That's the middle voice. And, and there's a little hesitancy to accept that one because... Wait, the, you know, the kingdom of heaven, as we experience how it advances, it's not like we're forcing people into the kingdom of heaven, right? But if I look at a bigger context here, what's Jesus talking about? You crowds missed what's right in front of you. You missed it. You didn't see John for who he truly is. He is the one that comes before Yahweh. He is the one ushering in the king of kings. And then, and then since John till now, what's been happening? The king of kings, Jesus Christ, 
has been advancing forcefully, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. The light of the world has been pushing back darkness. He has been casting out demons. He has been raising the dead. He has been giving sight to the blind, and the deaf now can hear. He has been forgiving sins. Yes, in a spiritual sense, the forces of the light of God through Jesus Christ have been forcefully advancing. So I would suggest it's probably in the middle tense here. And, and it actually fits, it's a more normal, straightforward translation of that word to say that it would be in the middle tense. So I think we can go with that. And then it says, and the violent take it by force. That's the opposing force that's here. Aren't you seeing what's going on? John has been imprisoned by Herod. All of that that he talked about to his disciples before he sent them out, they're going to be rejected. And that rejection is going to increase over time to where there's going to be great persecution. They're missing it. The Messiah is here, and he is coming in as a conquering king, but it's spiritually. And they don't have eyes to see it. And that's the thing that I want to make sure I don't miss. Not only do I want to not miss what God is doing, but I need to understand that the battle is spiritual. When you see what's going on around us, God is at work. Do you know that the kingdom has been advancing, forcefully advancing, or another way, because that verb can be in a positive sense, triumphantly advancing since then and until now. It continues to advance. Spiritual strongholds of darkness, of death, of people that are just lost in depression, not knowing why. It's because of their sin, it's because they're broken, it's because they're dead spiritually, and then the light of Christ through you and through me comes into someone's life giving testimony of Christ, just as John the Baptist did, but in a greater sense because we know Him. He's in us and we can give a testimony that He has changed our life, and, and, and the kingdom of heaven advances then into darkness and lives are changed. People are freed from sin. Am I missing what's going on that God is doing? And you know what happens? There is opposition, and it's spiritual opposition, but we see it physically. We see, and, and, and Jesus has told us time and again already in Matthew, it's what we can expect, suffering. But, but we're, we're suffering victoriously. Because, yes, you can take my body. Yes, you can even take my physical life, but you can't take from me the life, the eternal life that I have in Christ and the testimony that I have that is light. Within this broken jar of clay, I have the light of Jesus Christ. I have the glory of God. And it is changing lives. As I get to know people and they get to know me, darkness is moved away. Maybe you are just still investigating Jesus Christ. You're still wondering what everyone's talking about, and you see what's on the surface, right? I, I can't see past that. But there's something, because the people in your life have the light of Jesus Christ in them, and you're realizing there's something different. Keep pursuing. Look deeper. Are we missing what's right in front of us? It might look like defeat. It might look like physical, emotional oppression. But is the kingdom advancing? 
Is the light of Christ going deeper into darkness, transforming lives? I want to see what's really happening. Progress doesn't necessarily look like progress when we're only looking at what's on the surface. We might only see oppression and trials. When we looked, the last two weeks we had the wall covered in the top 25 countries uh, as far as persecution goes. And you can just look at that and say, oh, how terrible it is. There's something about those countries that the church thrives in the midst of persecution. What's happening is that there's a spiritual movement forward, even as people would say, no, there's greater oppression, there's greater restriction. Even as China suddenly seems to be waking up with persecution, saying, no, we're going to invade churches with cameras, we're going to do all of this, this new work against churches, there has been a revival recently within the churches. There's fresh growth. That means there's forward progress of the kingdom into darkness, even as on the surface I would say, no, it's getting worse. The enemy must be winning. He's not. But I need to have eyes to see what God is doing and to realize the battle is spiritual. And as a spiritual battle, am I responding to what's going on in my family, in my community, in my country, in a way that's appropriate to one who realizes it's a spiritual battle? Am I on my knees? What power do we have within a spiritual battle? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. If I work harder, will that cause the Spirit of God to work harder? Usually when I submit harder and pray harder, the Holy Spirit will work harder. When my life is set apart to what God wants me to be doing, I'm walking in His ways, which is perhaps in my greatest weakness, physically. Then I see the power of God at work where I am weak. He is strong. Am I on my knees? As I'm concerned for our country, we should be concerned for our country and for our leaders. Am I on my knees for that? Is, are my actions showing that I see this as a spiritual battle? It is the Spirit of God that gives us physical strength. The Spirit of God gives us rest and peace in the midst of terrible torture, like, like we don't have to endure here in the United States. Am I loving in the face of offenses? That would be appropriate. See, a spiritual battle. I love... <laughs> oh, it's going to make me cry. <laughs> At the annual meeting, I might have already told you guys this, I don't know. They, we had one, one of the guys up there, they had a panel talking about persecution in the United States. It, there is persecution within the United States, but one of the guys on the panel is a guy who, who's working closely in China. He's from China, and he, has, he had friends there who were just from China who have been dealing with fresh levels of persecution in China and what that means. And one of the questions was posed, what do you do? Because you don't have the Second Amendment in China. 
If you form any political group that's not the Communist Party, you are crushed. What do you do to speak out? What do you do in China? And he said, the greatest, most powerful tool that we have is the love of Christ. To love those who are persecuting us. That's spiritual talk. That's spiritual battle talk. And one of their close friends is now in prison. And, and, and he read part of a poem that the guy was writing. And, and it was all about how as, as you try to hurt me, I want to bless you. And what's happening is that light is entering in the darkness even of those who have imprisoned him. Leaders can be changed, their hearts can be changed because they're met with the love of Christ as they are trying to persecute those that belong to Christ. It is a spiritual battle. Paul tells them in Romans, don't be overcome by evil, but what? Overcome evil with good. That spiritual battle talk. Jesus continues in verse 11. Or let's go back to verse, sorry, verse 14. Go down to verse 14. And if you're willing to accept it, John the Baptist is Elijah who is to come. He's not actually Elijah the person, but, but they didn't get it. Um, it was prophesied over Elijah at his birth. He would come in the spirit and power, or sorry, over John the Baptist at his birth, that he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's the one that was spoken of. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Who has ears to hear? He just said, the one who's willing to accept it. Are you willing to accept it, that this is God at work, that, that this is what God's doing? Are, are you willing to believe and accept that what people are telling you is behind the surface, really is behind the surface, that God really is at work, that God really did send His Son to die for you? that Jesus really was the Son of God, fully God and fully man, that what He did on the cross really was for your sin, that that is true? Are you willing to accept it? That when Jesus rose from the grave, that that, that same power that He rose from the grave and it's the power that can give you life if you just simply accept it, if you have ears to hear the Word. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 16, but to what shall I compare this generation? I think you could say this whole generation from then until now, right? It's like children sitting in the marketplace calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you. You did not dance. We sang a dirge. You did not mourn. I expect, you know, Jesus liked to pull from things that they had right in front of them, examples that they would have recognized. Perhaps this actually... They would know that's that game that the kids play. Maybe there's some kind of game that's, that's played there. But, but he explains what he means by the example and what follows. For John came neither eating nor drinking. What's their response? Those kids 
calling out, being entertained, posting on Facebook. What's their response to John? He has a demon. He's crazy. Not getting it. He says, the son of man. He came eating and drinking, opposite of John. Right? What do they say about him? Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Doesn't matter. Is it in the form of John the Baptist out in the wilderness, this rough character, wearing rough clothes, completely not allowing drink into his life, not, not having any of the luxuries of this world? Now they dismiss him. Then Jesus comes. Oh, he's hanging out with the tax collectors. He's, he's dining and, and drinking with the sinners. They reject him. It doesn't matter what would come. This generation acts childish. Calling out, here's what we want. doesn't matter what you do. Isn't that what we have around us? Isn't that, if I go on social media, if I go on anything, this is it's a whole bunch of noise of people just yelling to each other, and, and there's no eyes to see what God is doing. There's no one perceiving that this is really what's going on. As I was thinking about what, what do I take from this? I'm just realizing, here's our final point, there is no excuse. God's given us everything, every opportunity. You know, there was no excuse even before Jesus came because what Paul says in Romans, I go outside and I look and the glory of a creator's hand is all around me. If I look at just how I am made, you know, I, I broke my finger. Yes, I keep hurting myself. I broke my finger not long ago. What happens when bones break in these bodies? They grow back stronger than they were before. How, how does that work? That's amazing. <laughs> and this world says, wow, how amazing we've discovered that. You know, that's, that's how we look at all the, the amazing things in this world and the further we can see out in the universe and, and just how amazing this world is and the systems that make up this world and, and how our bodies go together and how, how nature goes together and everything. And we just think we are so amazing for discovering it. And we completely fail to see. That's just all evidence of the, the power and the might of the God who created all things that we are accountable to. We're without excuse, even just from His creation, but how many ways has God shown us His love? God's shown us who He is, and now through Christ, even to His people, Israel. That's a, he, he sent John the Baptist. He didn't have to do that. But even if I look at the language of Malachi, really he sent John the Baptist to turn their hearts so that he wouldn't come and just wipe them out because their hearts were so bad. And he sent his son. And now he's given us his Holy Spirit to see. There's no excuses. He's given us everything. Am I just acting like a child sometimes? I do, I think. And it's not because God hasn't given me every resource that I need. I have His Word. I have His perspective. I have His truth. He tells me what's going to happen all the way out to the end. I get upset because, what, there's more earthquakes? 
there's more natural disaster. What does he say is going to happen? It's only going to get worse. Worse and worse and worse and worse. And what's going to be the resolution? There's only going to be one resolution. We already covered that in the past week. Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes, that's the resolution. There is no other, right? And yet I still get childish, acting like a child, not seeing what God is doing, not understanding that the real battle is spiritual. I get so upset at a person. The battle is spiritual. When Jesus says, love your enemies, that's, that's a strategy. <laughs> that's understanding. That's seeing past the surface of that person who's cursing you out and realizing, no, there's a spiritual battle. There's, there's demonic activity. I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. I, I love that in Ephesians 6. Have understanding. God has given me that. There's no excuse Are you spending time in God's Word? Are you spending time on your knees? That's where we need to be. And then Jesus has this final parting word. The end there of... What verse are we at? That last verse, 19. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Who's acting in wisdom here? John the Baptist. Complete obedience to the Father. Jesus Christ. Complete obedience to the Father. More than ever, church, we need to walk in wisdom. The wisdom of God. Whatever comes through. I don't know what's going to come next year. I've kind of gotten to where things change so much, you don't know what to expect one year to the next, right? But we have the wisdom of God. It's not changing. When we're close to God, we can see with His perspective. We can be loving people in the midst of a difficult time with Christ's love because we see past what's on the surface. We have a sense of what God's doing because we're close to God. We're walking close to Him in obedience to what He would have us do. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. What am I doing? Are my actions evidence of wisdom in my life? Or am I just acting like a child? Lord Jesus, I need to have better eyes to see. I need to see past what's glaring at me on the surface and so many things, things close to me in my life to those things that are happening worldwide. So easy, God, to become fearful of what's going on in the world and not fear the one thing that's important to fear, which is the Almighty God. To be undone by the things in the world and not be undone by the one thing that in wisdom I should be undone by. And it's the power of God. It's the greatness of God. That should be the thing that weighs on my heart is your holiness, your greatness, 
God, give me eyes to see past what's on the surface. Give our church eyes to see, God, so that we can walk in your wisdom, walk in your ways. Help us, God, to spend more time in your word, to spend more time on our knees in prayer. God, we have a relationship with you where we can talk to you at any time, and you are the only one who can effectively move forward in a world of darkness. And God, yet I let a whole day go by without spending time talking to you. God, let prayer become just our normal moment by moment, hour by hour practice in our life because we desperately need you. God, I pray that you would open doors into spiritual bondage, God, and, and into, into fortresses that are, that are just locked down in darkness within this community. I know it's all around us, God, that you would open doors into that and allow us to love and to speak your gospel of truth into people's lives, that your kingdom would move forward, continue to move forward in this place, God. God, help us to spend time on our knees asking you to do that work, to open doors and then to give us boldness to speak. Speak with your love just as you have spoken into our lives. God, you've changed our lives. Let us be a conduit of your love and grace into this community. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for providing the way of salvation. Thank you that we don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in fear. We can walk fearlessly in your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
Lord, you forgave me, brought me closer to your presence. You reached out and chose me. Now I bow my knees to worship. There is no place that's higher, that's greater than to be at your feet. To be at your feet, there is no place that's higher, that's greater than to be at your feet. To be at your feet, and here I will remain to worship at your feet. greater or higher than at your feet because at your feet God is where I lay down what I want I lay down my will the way I think life should go and I I lay it down at your feet God and what I gain I gain life I gain forgiveness for my sin God I gain a whole new life purpose a whole new direction God at your feet it is that place where I'm walking according to what you want, according to your will. And that's when, when dark strongholds are broken down. That's where we get to see, God, when your church is at your feet, your church invading. And, and the gates of hell will not stand against it, God, because we're walking according to your will in the light of, of your grace and your power, God. 
There is no place that's higher or greater than to be at your feet and to surrender everything we have to you, God, and take up the new life that is only in you. God, I pray that for our church. I pray that for everyone here, God, that we would take whatever we're holding on to too tightly and just lay it at your feet. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Beloved church, go on.